Welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you in your journey of faith. Enjoy the message. Go ahead and stand. Let's let's uh, read. Let's stand as we honor the reading of God's word. I already asked you, but I want to know it one more time. Who's ready to receive a word from the Lord today? I want to know who's ready. Oh, okay. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Um, you can have just as much as as much of God as you want. If you only want a little bit of Him, then that's all. Then that's fine. But if you want a lot of him, he'll, he'll give you all of himself. But let's read today. We're in this um, series, like I said, Made for a Mission. I love this title, Made for a Mission. Personally, as followers of Jesus, we are made for a mission. As a church community, we are made for a mission. So we're talking through what it means to be made for a mission. Before I do, I just want to shout my brother, Ian, Valerie. Thank you guys. I love you guys so much. Can we just thank them for being here today? They're such good friends. I love you, man. So good to see you here. He's got a shirt. He does custom. He makes his own custom T-shirts for Ocean Church. I mean, he is brilliant. He's got one on today. It says, I love my church. It's got the ocean logo and a blue heart. I mean, it's, praise God, man. It's, it's awesome. But let's dive into what God's word has to say today. Mark 12, 28 through 31. We talked about this last week. We're going to unpack it in a different measure. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating to remind you of what's going on here, Jesus is in the midst of Sadducees and Pharisees, basically teachers and leaders of the law, of the rabbinical law, the Mosaic law. These men that studied and understood the commandments and the laws. And the Jewish people had 13 and 613 misvahs is what they're called in the Jewish in Hebrew, Jewish language, in Hebrew is what they're called. It's called 613 misvahs. Many of us know the Ten Commandments, but there were 613, 603 other commandments that the people of Israel were given. So they're in this moment, and they're trying Jesus with these questions. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important, out of all 613, brother Jesus Tell us what's the most important. He says the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. We're going to talk about what it means to love the Lord your God with all your soul. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you. Uh, Lord, what you're revealing to us. God, I pray even for myself, Lord, that I would receive this word that you're giving us today with faith, Lord, that we as a body of believers would receive it by faith. Lord, we trust you with our future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you're being seated, give someone a high five. Tell them I'm glad you're here. Give them a nice high five. Or you can give them a nice handshake. That's cool, too. I know some of that high five may be too, a little too edgy. Handshake might be more appropriate. What it means to love God with all your soul. And as I just prayed, my prayer for you today, it, because I'm telling you, y'all, it is one of, one, as a communicator, as a communicator of the gospel, my heart is to always be as biblically accurate as possible. 
My heart is to always communicate and convey the, the truth of the gospel and the truth of who Jesus is and who God is in an accurate way. And this idea of what it means to love God with all your soul, man, I wrestled through this word. Man, I wrestled the Holy Spirit to the ground. I said, help reveal to me what it means to love you with all of my soul, what it means for us to love God with all of our soul. So I pray you receive this word with faith. But I want to start, as I usually do, with some questions to help guide us. Now, these questions, I only got three of them. They may come off a little bit um, odd or a little bit out of left field, but I, I believe I just felt that these were questions that I needed to ask you as we're going through this today. First question, how would you describe the real you? I always say, like, people got, like, six or seven versions of themselves, right? Like, depending on the circle that you're around, if you're with your family, like, I grew up in Connecticut. So, like, when I'm with Connecticut people, I, like, talk and act different than when I'm with, like, uh, Midwestern people that move down here in southwest Florida. Come on, anybody from Minnesota, Ohio, Indiana, all you, I-75 corridor. The, it, who, who would you say, what is the truest depiction of who you are? How would you describe the real you? Second question, what would you say are your hopes and dreams? What would you say are your hopes and dreams? Third question, what is the most important thing that I would tell someone that doesn't believe in God? Ooh, what a question. I had a, the Holy Spirit drop that on me. I said, Ooh, what, what? What's the most important thing? If I was talking to someone that didn't believe in God, what's the most important thing I would want them to know? And I don't expect you to know that or even walk away here today fully understanding that, but I believe that it's something, there's something in the message today that God wants to deposit in you to give you an answer or to get you ready for these moments that you, as a follower of Jesus, are going to have. Amen? So, let me recap. Last week we talked about what does it mean to love God with all of our heart? And one thing that we established is that it is humanly impossible to love God with all your heart. Unless God first places his love in you is then only when you can express your love for him. I cannot love people the way I should unless God comes and changes my heart. Love God with all my heart. The first commandment is not just to simply obey and serve, but it's to love. Loving God is obeying God. Loving God is serving God. The heart, our heart is the command and control center of our life. It is the place that life flows in and life flows out. Our heart. Now we talk about today the soul. We've all heard this word. We all know what a heart is. We all know what a mind is. We all know what strength is. And if you want to know strength, just look at my brother, Butch Bacon. He's got some muscles. There's strength there. If you don't know what strength is, just look at him and be like, okay, there's strength. Soul. What is this word? We, we've heard it. We use it regularly. But what does it mean? Now, there's different ways we use it, right? Like, that person's a beautiful soul. Anybody ever say that before? They got a beautiful soul. Or we say, they're a lost soul. Or let me, excuse me a minute while I bear my soul, we say. And somebody maybe goes on and passes away. We say, God rest his soul. We don't say God rest his heart. 
We don't say God rest his mind. We don't say God rest his strength. We say God rest his soul. Or they're selling their soul to the devil. Um, here's what I'll tell you even before I go any further is that in this text, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, there is going to be, there is some overlap uh, in these words, in these explanations, even today as we unpack soul, you'll be able to look back and say, okay, I see how that's connected to heart. But there is also some very distinct aspects and characteristics of each that Jesus was trying to give an all-encompassing answer to how to love God. This idea of soul. There's a whole genre of music called soul music. Come on, somebody. Anybody listen to soul music down here in Naples, Florida? Come on. <laughs> I'm a soul man. Let me stop. Soul. We say, man, that person, you know, if somebody sings, you say, whoop, they just got soul. You can't put your finger on it, but you just say, there's just something different. It don't matter what they look like, where they came from, how old they are. They just, you see a little six-year-old kid, kid sing, you'd be like, that kid's got soul. They, they, there's something in them. There is something that is coming from a very deep place is usually how we would reference it. That person has soul. So what is the soul? How do we identify it or describe it? There is a practice of approaching scripture that many scholars use that is called the law of first mention. If you want to understand something in its origins in scripture, go back to the first place that it was mentioned. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to go back to the first place that we see this idea of soul and what a soul is. Genesis 2.7. And this is the King, uh, King James Version that I'm going to read to you. And the Lord God, do we have the scripture? There it is. And the Lord God formed a man of the dust of the ground and breathed, his nostrils, breathed in his nostrils. You guys like how I did that? Like that. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a, say this with me, living soul. Man became a living soul. God breathed his breath in us. He didn't just place something in us. He breathed in us and we became a living soul. Not just a physical being, not just an emotional being, but a living soul. It's the part of us that connects with God. I'll unpack that. It's it's the idea in Hebrew, even the definition, is the all-encompassing life form, our soul. Our soul. The soul represents the totality of your life, the real you. I'll unpack it a little bit more. It's the part of us that connects with God or rejects God. Each person has a soul placed in them. And there is... So much debate, even as I was studying for this, there is so much um, information out there, and there's so many scholarly approaches and biblical studies on the difference between soul and spirit, the difference between soul and heart, the difference between spirit and, and whether your spirit is already in you or whether it's your soul, whether your soul turns into a spirit. And there's, there's all this stuff. So that's why I even started and I said, hey, we need to receive this word by faith. But here's what I, I want to give you a picture of what soul is. Your soul is the house where the spirit of God comes and resides or where the spirit of the, of the corrupted world comes and resides. Let me read that to you again. Your soul is the house 
where the Spirit of God comes and resides, comes and settles in. Or it's where the spirit of the corrupted world comes and resides. The spirit of our enemy, Satan, the place where he comes and resides. There is a battle, there is a spiritual battle to occupy your house. I'm not just talking about your physical house. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about your soul. There is a spiritual battle for your soul. In the garden, the enemy came along and deceived Adam because he wanted to he wanted to corrupt anything that was representative of God's image and God's likeness. God's, God's likeness that was seen in Adam was the very breath of his life. It was his very being. So the enemy came to corrupt his soul, not just his body, his heart, and his mind, but his soul. Why is this important today to talk about the soul? Because One of the reasons is why is because we compartmentalize our spiritual life at times. Come on, somebody. At times, we, we say, I have my, I think Pastor Nix was talking about it. We have our Jesus box. Come on, right? Just a nice little Jesus box. Our little Jesus room. We have our nice little Jesus room. Then we have my go out to the club room. Come on, somebody. Then we have my, my then I have my cussing in the locker room room. Or then I have my gossip room. And we have all these different rooms not recognizing that we think that we are compartmentalizing these things. And that does not, that is not, one thing is not affecting the other. But the reality is their soul, if we're, if we're looking at this analogy of rooms, that our soul is the whole house. So what's going on in this aspect of the house affects this aspect of the house. You can't light your bathroom or kitchen on fire and it not affect the whole house. Come on, somebody. Is that giving an all right picture there? That everything you do, we, we try and we make an attempt to compartmentalize, but we don't realize that everything we are engaged in is affecting our soul. Another thought. We are inconsistent. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are different yesterday, today, and forever. We are inconsistent beings. It's just a part of adopting this, this, the world that we live in. We are inconsistent. It's important as we talk about the soul, recognizing that it's connected to every aspect of our life, and it can't be neglected, and it must be given over to God. Our soul must be given over to God. So what does the Bible say about the soul? Man, this is just a safe place for us as a church community to say, okay, how do we want to orient ourselves as a church community? We're talking about we exist to love God. Love God with all your heart. We talked about it last week. Love God with all your soul. Let's unpack that thought. What does the Bible say? Let's read it. One of the things, first things I want to tell you is that the, some of the characteristics of the soul is that our soul can get tired. Whew. Come on. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. 28, 30. Thank you, Jesus. I love this scripture verse. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Ooh, man, that just ministers to me right there. God is gentle. Jesus is gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your bodies. No, it doesn't say that, right? You will find rest for your, for your mind. No, it doesn't say. You will find rest for your souls. 
We can go on vacation and still feel tired. We can sleep for 10 or 12 hours a day and still feel tired. Why? Because there is something else. There's another dynamic that's taking place. There is the battle for our souls, like I said. And the important thing that we need to do is go to Jesus when we are weary. We don't just need more time away from people. We don't just, sometimes you need a break from people. I know that. Like somebody say amen. Like I get it. Even Jesus withdrew from the people. He was like, all right, enough of you crazies. I'm going to be with my father. But it's important to recognize where are we seeking rest from? The enemy places a weight on us that we were not designed to carry. Sin is not a weight that we were designed to carry. Now, we are affected by this burden of sin, but Jesus says, exchange my yoke, exchange, exchange what I am offering you and give me, the sin is laid upon me, lay your sin upon me. I was, I had this epiphany, I was unpacking my, uh, I, I was teaching Next Steps today and uh, I had my backpack and uh, I, I had taken some things out of it and I started to pull some things out of it. And there was like, because I was like, let me just get out of here what I don't need in there. And uh, I pulled it out. And there was like a, a thick notebook from a conference that I went to in like May of last year. There was a folder that had my 2018 taxes in it. There was um, another notebook in it. There was another book in it. And I just said, and, I, and I, so I put it all away. And then I shut my... I shut the, um, the trunk to the car, and I put on my backpack, and I was like, God, that feels lighter. I've been carrying around this stuff so unnecessarily for so long. And some of you, God is saying, come to me if you're weary. You are carrying things in your life that you don't have to be carrying. You shouldn't be carrying. I didn't design for you to carry it. That was maybe something you carried for a season, but God never places anything on you that's too great to bear that you can't bring to him. So I just want to encourage you, for some of you today, all you need to go is you need to go home and look in your life and say, what do I need to get out of my backpack? There's some heaviness that I feel, and God didn't design me to carry this weight. Make sense? Other characteristics, we seek him with our soul. We seek him with our soul. We seek him. Deuteronomy 4.29, but if from there you seek the Lord your God... You will find him if, everybody say if, if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Our soul connects with him and it's our, our soul that compels us, that, that innate part of us that compels us to go and seek the Lord. Another thought here, uh, a third point about a characteristic of the soul is that we worship with our soul. Psalm 103, 1, praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being, praise his holy name. I love David here. He's, he's reminding him, saying, he's saying, David, praise the Lord, my soul, and all that's within you, praise his holy name. Even Pastor Nix was alluding it to it early. We can worship God with our mouth, with song, with instrument, but unless we worship him with our soul. We are not truly expressing the love that we have for God. When we worship God with our soul, we express our love 
for God. So I want to encourage you when you come in here, and I'm not saying everybody's got to scream and shout and run laps around the place and do all types of crazy stuff, but I'm saying there is a sincerity that should come out of you, just like we hear that, that brother or sister singing some soul music. There is something that should rise up within you when we are glorifying Jesus. We worship God with our soul. To love God with all your soul, it means to connect, uh, to connect with the innate part of you that you always knew that you were created by a creator. There's something on the inside that says, I can't make sense of it all, but I know that there's more. Our aim now is to obey the command. To obey the command of loving God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and soul. Sounds great, Phil. Pastor Phil, Brother Phil. But how do I do that? I'm glad I asked. I'm going to tell you. How do I love God with all my soul? Okay. This is where it's going to get good. Uh, by faith. Then, Mark 8, uh, 34 through 37. Do we have it there? I love it. Then he called the crowd to him, Jesus. And there's an account uh, of Luke that, that shares the same story. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple, show of hands here, how many want to be a disciple of Jesus? Awesome. Most of you. Good percentage, about 75%. That's good. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? You see, Jesus cares about your soul. <clears throat> Jesus assigns value to your soul. He said, your soul is valuable. That is what I died for. He says, your soul. And you value the things that you care about. Give you an illustration. Uh, let's say you had a uh, a piece of art that you were hanging on the wall, or a sculpture that you had in your house, and it was like a hundred thousand dollars. First of all, I would say, "Bro, I hope you tithed on that that money there." That no, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. All right. If you had a piece of art that was $100,000, and this was something that you were very proud of. It's something that you hung in your household. You say, come in. Yeah, you had dinner guests over, and you say, come in and look at this $100,000 piece of art. For you, it would be very disheartening only to find out that what you thought was worth $100,000 is actually worth like $15 because it's a copy of it. It's, not an it's a copy and not an original. What am I saying? There are things that we say... Look at this. Look at, look at my career. Look at the businesses that I've built up. Hello. Look at, look at my house. You see that? Woo. Look at my car. Look at, all, look at all these things. When those things, maybe they may have monetary value, but they have very extremely little eternal value. Jesus said that, uh, he said that he is wanting to, wanting us to deny ourselves. He's saying, what good is it to get all this stuff for you to lose your soul? 
Here's one thing I realized about people that pass on from this life to the next life is you never see a U-Haul following a hearse. It's great. Get stuff. Like, do things. You can delight yourself in things. I like things, too. But we place, at times, so much value on things. And at the end, they really don't. They're really not worth all that much. It's just like, think of a diamond. Let me give you another analogy. You have a diamond that's worth a million dollars. Million dollars. Imagine if you had that diamond and you just left it out on the table. You had no insurance on it. You you just yeah, it's just another rock there. It's worth a million dollars. You just kick it around. You don't really think it's that big of a deal. It's not that valuable. And and, and in a way, not all of us. This is not an accusation, but in a way, we don't understand the value of who we are. We don't understand the value of our whole life. We don't understand the value of our soul. So because of that, we don't understand the value. We treat it like it's not that valuable or it's not that important. And we treat it that way at times by our life's decisions. But Jesus is saying an important thing here. And I want want to get to the, the thought. There's three things he's talking about. And Jesus assigned value to your soul. And I want to tell you, so should you. And the enemy knows how valuable you are. He knows how valuable you are. So, so three things that Jesus says to do uh, in order to love God with all your soul. You love God with all your soul means denying yourself. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to deny yourself. If you want to be a Christian, you don't have to do that. Woo-hoo. If you want to be a Christian, you just come to church. Praise his holy name, Jesus' name. Sing your song. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, and I saw about 75% of the hands that went up. So for those of you that raised your hand, it means that you deny yourself by allowing Jesus to be at the center of your existence. Self-centered Christianity is superficial Christianity. We all know people that just think the world revolves around them. Come on, somebody. I want to encourage you. Let me give you just a heart of compassion. Typically, people that think the world revolves around them is a facade. They typically don't, th- they don't see enough value in themselves, so they're desperately trying to convince everybody of all the things that are going on in their life that adds value, but really they're just desperately hopeless. But denying yourself... When you want, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, I'm, I'm saying this so passionately because what I'm about to say will hurt a little bit. It means it's no longer about you getting what you want. You say, well, well, Jesus wants to give me everything. He wants to give me all my desires. No, that's not, where did you read that? That's the, the me verse, the me translation, the MT the me translation of the Bible. It's all about me. That's, that's not true. Your life as a follower of Jesus is no longer what you wanted it to be about before you met Jesus. 
Because what Jesus is calling you to is a total restructuring of your life. See, here's the deception at times is that, all right, I can just, I can just put Jesus in my backpack. I just got Jesus with me, but I'm going to go ahead and do everything that I did before, and God is going to be good with it. God loves you, but there's, re- there's sowing and reaping. And what you engage in will produce fruit, something. It will produce either fruit of righteousness or fruit of this world. Loving God, second point, loving God with all your soul means taking up my cross. He said, you need to deny yourself and take up my cross. There is a guy named Arthur Blessett, and the dude literally, he's still alive. He's in his 70s. Anybody heard that name before? One person, two, three people. A man that went, he has been on almost every country, and he has literally carried a cross, a wooden cross, across the country. One of his longest journeys in one day was over 70 miles with a 43-pound wooden cross on his back. And, and, and what it was, it was his way of sharing the gospel. And you know what is interesting as I looked into his story? He said the number one place to be persecuted was in Hollywood, California. He said out of all the Muslim and Arabic and Buddhist countries, the place where he, he felt the most persecution was in Hollywood, California. Crazy thought. But thankfully, Jesus was not talking about all of us needing to pick up a wood cross. So don't worry. You're not, well, that's not what Jesus is saying. But what he is saying is that the cross represents commitment. Committing yourself to walking this life out. I love my wife. I love my family. My love for them is expressed in my commitment to them. I'll do anything for my wife, for my daughters. What would it look like, babe, what would this look like if I said, all right, Sunday, we're going to get together, babe. We're going to spend about an hour and 15 minutes together. For the first hour, I just want to talk to you. I'm just going to tell you everything that's going on. And then maybe 15 minutes, I'll give you maybe 15 minutes, you tell me what's going on with you. And then that'd be crazy, right? I mean, probably wouldn't last very long. But at times, we come to church for an hour and 15 minutes. And we don't, the, the, the Luke translation of the verse says, take up your cross daily. It means identifying a level of commitment and identifying a level of surrender, surrendering my will to God, giving up my own way, my will, my ambitions. The cross represents uh, a life of, de- of death and obedience. Death, death to self, death to self-control. Take up your cross daily. Loving God, third point, loving God with all your soul means following him. Again, we are just picking across the, the verse that, that Jesus said, what it means. It says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and he says, follow me. We all have desires, we all have dreams, we all have aspirations, and we associate and connect our dreams, passions, and desires with the fulfillment of life. If I achieve this goal, I am fulfilled. If I achieve this dream, I am fulfilled. If I can just reach this goal, this benchmark, that promotion, then I will be doing everything I'm supposed to be. We have been taught, oh, God. All right, I'm going to say something else that's going to hurt. Is that okay? We have been taught to follow our dreams. 
Anybody ever hear that before? I know I did. Follow your dreams, brother. You, you ever hear anybody say, just trust your heart? Anybody ever say that? You know what the Bible says about your heart? <laughs> it says it's deceitfully wicked above all things. We just adapt, we adopt these things if we're not careful. Lord, help us. Lord, help me. If we're not careful, we adopt these ideologies that just says, follow your dreams and everything will be okay. But that is, there is no biblical context for that. Parents, I want to encourage you. And I'm encouraging myself as I'm, I'm, I'm teaching my daughters. I want to be mindful of what Jesus said. He didn't say, follow your dreams. He said, follow me. As you follow him, then, then there are things no eye has seen nor entered into the imaginations of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. God has dreams. He has things that are prepared for you that are so much greater than what you can dream up for yourself. I, I promise you that. This is important that we follow Jesus. Amen? He said, follow me. He didn't say, follow your dreams. Mm. Help me, Lord. So, what do we do with this? I get it. Deny myself. Take up my cross. It's important that we give. I'll invite the worship team. You could come up now. Um, I love God with all my soul by fully giving my whole life to Jesus. Pretty simply. It's saying, Jesus, you can have the whole house. It's, it's, it's the opposite of saying, all right, Jesus, you can, have, you can have the house, but I want this little room for myself. I, I, I like this little playroom. This is, this is mine, Jesus. Like, you have all this. You, you got 90%. You got 95% of my house. I just want this little corner. This is mine. You can't touch it. But our soul is the all-encompassing part of our life. Why does this matter that we're talking about this today? It's because your soul will live on for eternity. This is the hope that we have. Someone passes on to the next life. The hope that we have is that our souls are eternally secure. Jesus did not come just for our beating flesh heart. He didn't just come for our strength and so we can achieve great things. He didn't just come so that we would have the mind of Christ. That was one of the reasons why he came, that we would have a new mindset. We would have a new ideology. We would understand the ways of God. But he came that our souls would be eternally secure. Why? Because our soul will either go to hell or our soul will go to heaven. Ask the question, what do I tell somebody that doesn't believe in God? Well, that's one thing. There is life after this life. And here's, here's the reality for us all today. Pay attention to me. Is that we are a heartbeat away from eternity. We see it all around us. Here today, gone tomorrow. Am I, is this a scare tactic? Not by any means. This is an encouragement tactic to tell you that there is 
something that God desires for you to have. There is a life that God desires to give you that is only found when you fully yield your whole life to Jesus. When you, Amen. Even simple, let me break it down even simpler, just this thought. <clears throat> the Bible teaches us that our soul will either live in the presence of God or in the absence from him. In the presence of God or in the absence from him. Go ahead and stand today. There was a, a, a man that uh, I'm going to share something with you and uh, take it with a, uh, a grain of salt. They, how many know that there are some things that you learn about or you hear about that you don't fully understand? Come on, like there's some things I know that we may, I maybe not fully understand until I get to heaven. There is a story in the Bible about a man with six fingers and six toes. I'm just like, what, what does that mean? There's a story of a man who his wife had passed away. And uh, again, I don't fully understand or know it, but when I heard the story, I just, something in me just said, whoo. And it was a story of a man whose wife passed away and she, uh, she passed away and he grieved for days, months. And just like in such a way that there was no, that he had no hope. He said, it's just over. There's no heaven. I'll never see her again. There's nothing. And there was an, an, uh, a visitation that his wife came and visited him for five hours. I don't know if it was in a dream or how it looked. I don't know. But there was something that happened. And they had this conversation. And one of the things he wanted to know is he said, sweetheart, what, what did death feel like? And she said to him, babe, there, there is no death. I, it was like I was here. I took one breath. I took my last breath. And, and I woke up and Jesus was right there. I never died. And she, she began to tell this story to him. And he's given the account of it. And he, he says that, she, she told him that, we were, I was walking hand in hand with Jesus and, and I, I knew we were walking towards heaven. I could see a great light off in the distance, but I also saw death. I saw death. It was making noise and it was shrieking and it was, it, it was ugly. And she said that as we got closer to death, it got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until they got right up in front of it. And she said, Jesus and I, when we got to death, we literally walked right over it. I want to encourage you today. Why do I tell you that story? Is that there is hope for our souls. That what we engage in affects our soul. And Jesus died for our soul so that we would have an eternity with God. I, I, I find it so difficult and hard to believe that this whole life is just one big bang accident. I have to believe that there is a creator that created us. I have to believe that there is something more than what we see. There is more that meets the eye. There is more going on. There is more that God has for us. There are things unseen 
that God has for me. There is a place that God has prepared for me. I have to believe it. So today, let's believe together. Bow your heads. I want to pray. Father, thank you. My brothers and sisters, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would make yourself, you would allow God and Jesus to be made real in this moment. Today, Today you're here. Ask yourself the question, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me? For some of you, you haven't been to church in a, in a while. Or you've been coming to church week after week after week after week. And you've never said, I, I need to make sure that my soul is secure. If eternity was a breath away for you, where would you go? Maybe you're not sure of that. Today I want to give you an opportunity to secure your place in eternity. And that it's a simple act that happens in your heart when you say, Romans 10, 9 says, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, that I'll be saved. So if that's you today, I want to count to three. If you need to make a public declaration to say, I believe in Jesus. I don't, I don't know it all yet. I can't understand yet, but I want to follow Jesus because he is the way to eternal life. I'm going to count to three. Just go ahead and let me see your hand. One, two, three. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. I see that hand in the back. Let's just pray this prayer internally together. Jesus, today, we choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, give me the power to live a life that loves you with my whole heart, with my whole soul, with my whole mind, and my whole strength. God, thank you for your goodness today in each person's heart that you're doing. God, we rejoice, Lord, knowing that you're for us and you're not against us. God, thank you for your good word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank God for his goodness today? Hallelujah. Come on, let's thank him. We hope you were encouraged by the message today. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like, subscribe, or share it with someone. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.